0: You know, the enemies of King Solomon, son of David, they return to confront Rehoboam, Solomon's son. This is a very interesting time looking at ancient Israel. Stay with us. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembry. I'm
1: Janice. And this
0: is Bible Discovery TV, taking you through the Bible from Genesis chapter one to Revelation chapter 22. We do that over the year, done that, this is our 33rd year. Boy, it's exciting. And Corey and Ryan are here to help us, Corey.
2: I'm going to be taking a look at Pharaoh Shishak and the significance of his invasion into Israel. Ryan?
3: Well, you know, many claim that the Bible is the world's greatest book of fiction, a mere book of fairy tales and fantasies. Well, today I ask ER physician Dr. Carl Werner to respond to this claim.
0: All right. That's a very good one. Now, Janice, they're coming up in 20 minutes. Janice in 25. Janice?
3: Mm -hmm.
1: Aligning ourselves with God.
0: All right. Get your Bible guide out. Let's listen. Open up the Bible. Let's listen to what God is saying.
1: Second Chronicles 10, 1 through 11. And Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel had gone to Shechem to make him king. So it happened when Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, heard it, he was in Egypt, where he had fled from the presence of King Solomon, that Jeroboam returned from Egypt. Then they sent for him and called him. And Jeroboam and all Israel came and spoke to Rehoboam, saying, Your father made our yoke heavy. Now therefore... Lighten the burdensome service of your father and his heavy yoke which he put on us, and we will serve you. So he said to them, Come back to me after three days. And the people departed. Then King Rehoboam consulted the elders who stood before his father Solomon while he still lived, saying, How do you advise me to answer these people? And they spoke to him, saying, If you are kind to these people and please them and speak good words to them, they will be your servants forever. But he rejected the advice which the elders had given him and consulted the young men who had grown up with him who stood before him. And he said to them, What advice do you give? How should we answer this people who have spoken to me, saying, Lighten the yoke which your father put on us? Then the young men who had grown up with him spoke to him, saying, Thus you should speak to the people who have spoken to you, saying, Your father made our yoke heavy, but you make it lighter on us. Thus you shall say to them, My little finger shall be thicker than my father's waist. And now, whereas my father put a heavy yoke on you, I will add to your yoke. My father chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scourges. 2 Chronicles chapter 10, verses 1 through 11.
0: As we continue through the historical books of this Bible, it is amazing because we read 10, 11, 12, 13, and 14 today. Seems like a lot of chapters, but they're shorter, and it's important for us to hear them. leadership is a major factor that determines the future of any nation. As we study the scriptures surrounding ancient Israel, we quickly see the pitfalls of kingdoms and kingships. When kings reflected the attitudes of God and respected His role in the country, the nation was surprisingly strong. When they made their decisions based on human wisdom and understanding, rejecting the advice of God, it didn't go so well. It went poorly. Some of the king's decisions changed the course of the nation's future forever. Such was the case with Solomon's son, Rehoboam. Rehoboam was insecure. He was trying to fill the shoes of his father, who had ushered a time of great prosperity in for the nation. Now, Rehoboam was demanding and unflinching. He wasn't willing to listen to the concerns of his people. He was as demanding as Solomon and didn't have the attitude of the heart of his grandfather, David. His government changed the nation forever. And I mean forever, and we're going to see that today. Now, here's my question. Do you have a Bible guy? Because you need to get one. If you don't have one, I would encourage you to write for yours. We'll send it to you, gift in any amount. Uh, you can call us or you can write to us or you can go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com and click on it. It'll take you to a donate page and then you can uh, download it exactly how we have printed it. And may I say today, thank you so much for giving. And Father, I pray for all of the people who are partners and given to us, touch them and help them today, Lord, in Jesus' name, because they're giving to the ministry which is dedicated to you. Amen and amen. Now today, this is good. Watch this. It's going to be interesting. A change in leadership. A change. When there's a shift in leadership, things have shifted in our nation. There's a change in leadership. 2 Chronicles 10, 1-11. Father, I pray today as we study this, as we look at this, help us to hear what you're saying, because so many of us, Look at the nations today and see the leadership. And we wonder, what happened? This is not the country I grew up in. But Lord, help us to understand and see that we need to turn our hearts towards you. Because our decisions in the past to push you out have pushed us away from you. Help us, Lord, to see the truth. We need to come back close to you. That's the only place we can find true faith and healing in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we're going to look at 2 Chronicles 10. We're going to look at verses 1-4. to 4. Here is what it says. And Rehoboam, that's Solomon's son, Rehoboam went to Shechem. For all of Israel had gone to Shechem to make him king. So it happened. When Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, heard it, he was the enemy of Solomon, He was in Egypt where he had fled from the presence of King Solomon. That Jeroboam returned from Egypt. And then they sent for him and called him. And Jeroboam and all of Israel came and spoke to Rehoboam saying, Your father made our yoke heavy. Now therefore lighten the burdensome load of service of your father and his heavy yoke which he put on us and we will serve you." Interesting. The enemy of Solomon returned and confronted Rehoboam. When we do not lean on God for understanding, the enemy is embedded to confront us. Beloved, when we do not lean on God, when we have not recognized the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord, Things rapidly go downhill fast. In a nation, in a state, in a province, in a kingdom, they go down. And let me tell you something. There's a lot of places today that need the Lord. And how do we do that? We come to Jesus and we say, Lord, forgive me of my sin. I fall on my knees before you and say, I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sin. I believe you died on the cross. Fully God and fully man. I believe you died on the cross, but death could not hold you, and you rose from the dead. And I give my life to you today. That's how it starts. Each person, you, me, one person at a time, coming to know Jesus Christ, coming to know the Lord, giving our lives to Him. Five to seven. So he said to them, Come back to me after three days. And the people departed. Then King Rehoboam consulted the elders who stood before his father Solomon while he still lived, saying, How do you advise me to answer these people? And they spoke to him, saying, If you are kind to these people, and please them, and speak good words to them, they will be your servants forever. Unwise in his confrontation with the enemy, Rehoboam chooses poorly. Beloved, we have a choice every day. We must choose wisely in our life and not ignore elders. You see, people who are elders are people who are older than we are, and they don't necessarily have everything wrong. Parents and grandparents are good people to talk to. I know that we worship youth in today's culture, and it's all about youth, but hold on a minute. Parents and grandparents are really great people to talk to because they've been through the ringer a couple of times, and they understand. We need to pay attention carefully, but God is the ultimate one. Listen to Him, which we're doing in the Bible here today. 2 Chronicles 10 verse 8 says, But He rejected the advice which the elders had given Him, and consulted the young men who had grown up with Him, who stood before Him. And He said to them, What advice do you give? How should we answer the people who you have, who have spoken to me, saying, Lighten the yoke with your fa- that your Father has put on us. Then the young men who had grown up with him spoke to him, saying, Thus you should speak to the people who have spoken to you, saying, Your Father made our yoke heavy, but you make it lighter on us. Thus you will say to them, My little finger shall be thicker than my father's waist. And now, whereas my father put a heavy yoke on you, I will add to your yoke. My father chastened you with whips, but I will chasten you with scourges. Those who have lived longer than us can share great wisdom. We should pay attention to the way the elders teach and preach. Why? Because that decision that Rehoboam take, following the youth, split the nation in half split it everything became downhill from there and let me tell you something folks this is not the time to ignore god the father god the son and god the holy spirit one god in three persons we need to pay attention to jesus christ and come back to him so father today we pray bring us back to you bring our minds back back to the bible and biblical in jesus name all said together. This is very important. We all said together, amen or make it so. Hi, Rod Henry. We go through the Bible in one year. It's exciting. It's great. And you can join us by searching Bible Discovery TV on your phone. Now, that's right. On your phone, your iPhone or your Android phone. And when you do so, you'll find the app. You can download the app and watch it anytime you want. Never miss a program right here on Bible Discovery TV. We'll see you there.
3: Welcome back to the program. Now, as we've been reading Chronicles, it's hard to ignore the fact that the Bible is a book of history. We have people, places, dates, events, and so on. Of course, the Bible is much more than a history book, but this fact is so important, because it means that Christianity is rooted in history. These people actually existed, and these events actually happened. From Adam to Abraham to David and Solomon to Jesus Christ, it's history. That's so critically important. And yet there are people who say that the Bible is nothing more than a book of fiction, fairy tales, and fantasies. And I find that oftentimes these claims are made by atheists who think that evolution has disproven the Bible. And that's why, when I was given the opportunity a few years back to interview several Christian PhD scientists and researchers, I asked each of them to respond to this particular claim. And today I want to share with you just one of those interviews, specifically Dr. Carl Werner. He's an ER physician, a scientist, researcher, and author. And as a former evolutionist and a former skeptic of Christianity, I was really interested to hear what he had to say. Here's the good doctor. Many claim that the Bible is the world's greatest book of fiction, a mere book of fairy tales and fantasies. Now, as a
4: scientist, do you agree with those claims? Wow. Hmm i uh I mean that's a pretty abrasive uh, assessment uh, you know that I mean what is it, they they' saying that Jerusalem didn't exist? I mean because that's in the Bible, you know that there was a city of Jerusalem. Are they saying that Jesus Christ never existed on the earth that was a made up figure? Well, you know there's a lot of historians that say he lived on the earth. and are they saying that uh, you know that different events like the exodus from Egypt didn't occur? I mean, what events are they specifically saying are false? And, and I think what they're saying is, gee, we believe in evolution, and we, we want to say that there is no God, which is fine, go, go ahead and believe that, I don't care. But, uh, and so, because we believe that there's no God and that everything came about by chance random mutations. Uh, we don't want you to believe in creation. Because that's the story that's the, the the linchpin for the Bible. Is cr- Did creation occur or did it not? Well, it did. But I'll tell you that right now because evolution doesn't work. Unless aliens were dropping elephants on the earth, you have to explain how we got here, how the universe got here. And uh, since evolution doesn't work—oh, by the way, the Big Bang doesn't work. There's no way to create matter. There's no way— to compress the matter into a dot. There's no way to get an organized universe from a disorganized explosion in space, the Big Bang. And, oh, by the way, the the story of life forming from chemicals in the primordial soup, that doesn't work either. DNA doesn't form naturally because of the law of mass action. Proteins don't form naturally because of the law of mass action. Cell membranes that function don't form naturally from chemicals. Now that's blind faith. Those who believe that chemicals in a primordial soup gave birth to a living organism, a bacteria, that is blind faith because I can take you to the lab. DNA doesn't form, guys. Proteins don't form. Why would you believe this? I mean, really, I mean, you, you think the creationists are crazy, I mean, you have some testable problems, you know, show us how you make a DNA strand from chemicals. We'll go to the lab tonight. In fact, anybody out there, call me. Uh, I'd like to see this on YouTube. you making uh, DNA on YouTube. We took carbon and put it into the beaker. We put nitrogen into the beaker. We put acid, we heated it, we electrified it. We put lightning bolts in it. And Oh, it, DNA did not form, but we'll try again tomorrow. Come back tomorrow. That's what... <laughs> that's... Is, if you think this happens, you show me how you make DNA. I mean, because if you can't make DNA, this whole story about evolution is false, you know?
3: Well, as you can tell, Dr. Werner and I had a really great time together. And he's absolutely correct. It's not the Bible that's the fairy tale, but rather evolution. Because as Dr. Werner pointed out, evolution doesn't work it's not something that's based in reality, even though it's paraded around that way. Real science, I'm talking about testable, repeatable science, has shown that life never, ever spontaneously forms. And remember, Dr. Werner is a former evolutionist himself, but when he really looked into it, he realized that it was a lie. And if you want to get a hold of his research on this, then you absolutely can. He has a two-part series called Evolution, The Grand Experiment, and it's available in both video and print form. And you can order the products through his website at thegrandexperiment.com or through Creation Ministries International's website at creation.com. And also remember to check out my YouTube channel because I've also posted today's interview there. And actually, there's more to this interview there on YouTube. So I do hope you check it out.
0: Yeah, check it out. And by the way, uh, the return of Christ is something that we're talking about a lot these days. And this is a series of sermons that I've done here in the studio for you. And it talks about the return of Christ. It talks about the Word of God. It talks about the arrival and all of that from Matthew 24 and from 2 Timothy and the whole business. And I want to encourage you to write for yours and get your copy of it at approximately $30 or more. It's uh, great for your collection. Set of sermons just for you, right? Or Corey? All
2: right. Well, today I want to talk to you about... Pharaoh Shishak, because in 2 Chronicles chapter 12, we see the Bible recording that Pharaoh Shishak invades Israel very successfully and takes all of the wealth that God had given to Solomon. It's just gone. He raids the temple. He raids the palace. He takes all of the wealth of the kings of Israel. This is a really significant event. So first, let's take a look at the identity of Pharaoh Shishak, and then let's talk about why that's so significant, why God would allow that to happen. A Pharaoh of Egypt called Shishak in the Bible first appears in 1 Kings 11. During the reign of Solomon, a prophet of God anointed Jeroboam prophesying that Israel would split in two with the descendants of King Solomon ruling over the smaller area of Judah and Jerusalem and the larger portion following Jeroboam. With that revelation, Solomon tried to have Jeroboam killed, but he escaped to Egypt and to Shishak. Of course, history went, as the prophet had said, under Solomon's son Rehoboam, the kingdom was split with most of the country preferring to follow Jeroboam upon his return from Egypt. Pharaoh Shishak then appears again in the biblical text, but this time as a conqueror. The Bible tells us that he marched through Judah, capturing all the fortified cities of Judah and marching to Jerusalem itself, where Rehoboam bought Jerusalem's rescue by emptying the royal and temple treasuries into Shishak's pockets. Today, the general consensus among scholars is that biblical Shishak was Pharaoh Sheshank I, founder of the 22nd dynasty of Egypt. I was not really Egyptian, but a Libyan conqueror that had managed by marriage and military might to unite an Egypt that had been struggling through civil war. He then, according to the Bible, an Egyptian victory monument and a record carved into a gateway of the Karnak Temple of Ammon, launched a successful military campaign north into Canaan, Judah, and Israel. Well, this is verification of the biblical account, as often happens, the Egyptian record raises a few questions. On the Karnak inscription, Jerusalem is not specifically mentioned as taken, whereas in the Bible, it's the main focus of the text. Either Jerusalem was originally mentioned in the Karnak inscriptions and was located on the parts of the gate that are in ruins, or it was never mentioned as the Bible clearly states that it was never destroyed. The Bible also doesn't mention Northern Israel as part of Shishak's campaign, probably because it often doesn't add in details that aren't necessary. But the Egyptian records clearly show Shishak marching against Northern Israel and Jeroboam, who was once his ally. This could easily be explained if Jeroboam had somehow defaulted on his loyalty to Shishak. So I would submit to you that I think that what the the author of the scriptures is really drawing out here is that god was showing everyone the results of sin solomon had fallen into sin he had led israel into great idolatry the wisdom that god had given him he had not utilized in order to lead israel well and it showed So the great irony of the next generation after Solomon being led by Rehoboam is that not only was Solomon's son completely devoid of any of the great wisdom that Solomon had, he just, the Bible shows him choosing poorly over and over again and having to be told directly what to do and what not to do, but also the the kingdom had lost all of its wealth. So the result of a wise king being blessed with money, the result of his sin was no wisdom, and no wealth. So there's a very uh, cause and effect relationship here that I believe the author of scripture is trying to draw out for us.
0: Yeah, it's very interesting uh, to look at these analysis after the fact, and that's that's fascinating, very good. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Corey. Janice?
2: Yes, well,
1: and aligning ourselves with God is what I decided to call my segment today, and much of what Corey is saying here and um, goes along with what I wanna talk about. There is a verse here Verse 15 in 2 Chronicles chapter 10, that is worthy for us to take pause and think on. And it says, so the king, they're talking about Rehoboam. So the king did not listen to the people, for the turn of events was from God, that the Lord might fulfill his word, which he had spoken by the hand of Ahijah, the Shilohite, to Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. And if we look back on that, what the the author of the Chronicles here is is trying to to point us to is in 1 Kings uh, chapter 11 in Jeroboam's rebellion. And Ahijah comes to him, takes hold of a new garment that was on on him and tore it into 12 pieces. And he said to Jeroboam, take for yourself 10 pieces. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, behold, I will tear the kingdom out of the hand of Solomon and will give 10 tribes to you. But he shall have one tribe for the sake of my servant David and for the sake of Jerusalem, the city which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel. And he gives a reason because they have forsaken me and worshiped Ashtoreth. And he goes on and you can read that for yourself. That's uh, 1 Kings 11, starting at verse 26 and, and going on. But... I wanted to take a look at this because it it says here, um, this turn of events was from God that the Lord might fulfill his word, which he had spoken by the hand of Ahijah. You know, what what I want to really emphasize today is where do we align ourselves? Do we align ourselves if we say that we are Christians, if we have committed our lives to Jesus Christ to follow after him? Have we aligned ourselves with God truly? Have we aligned ourselves with his word? Do we believe in the authority and the holiness of God? Or do we pick and choose? Do we decide what book of the Bible that we like the most or the verses that we think make sense or the ones that we don't like, do we skip over? Or do we ask God to help us when we open his word that we can hear from the Spirit of God and learn what His Word says and not try to, as you say, Rod, you talk about when we read the Bible that we're not trying to read into it our thoughts, we're trying to have our hearts and our minds changed by God's Holy Spirit. Because we believe here in on on this program, this family that's sitting right here and the staff that, that work together with us as family, that the Word of God is the Word of God. It is the authority of God. It is our foundation of truth. That's what we believe here. Aligning means to make straight or bring into line. You need to think about that today. I need to think about that today. Where is my life? Where is my heart? Where is my mind aligned? Is it with my own thoughts? Is it with traditions of my family lines? Is it with the culture? Or is it with God, do I want to be changed and renewed? That's where our heart, that's where our minds need to be, to seek after the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength. I would challenge you today, where are you aligned?
0: Well, it's the Roku box, and if you want to get one, I would suggest that you do. You can have all your regular channels, but we have a channel there called Bible Discovery. It's BD Family and Friends. We have several channels, and we have all our programs there, Beyond the Call and this program and others, so you can get a hold of those anytime you want them. That's BD Family and Friends. Today, let's pray and say, Lord, I need to listen to those you've called to speak and teach because they are hearing you.